Very good morning, ladies and gentlemen. How are you all doing? <laughs> well, I'm far too old to sing and too fat to dance, so I get to tell you the stories. Is that all right? Brad asked me if I'd come along and tell you this, my story right from the beginning. Of course, in those days, I was a lot younger. Uh, of course, in those days also, I was severely handicapped. I mean, you see me walking around like this today, but that's what the story's all about. See, I, I being having been born handicapped, I couldn't walk like. So I made my living by panhandling. Uh, I was a member of the Panhandlers Union, or the Beggars and Disabled Persons Union, to be precise. That is the BADPU, commonly known as the Bad Poo amongst its members. And every day, they used to bring me and put me in the beautiful gate of the temple. It was a prime location, because like, just behind me was the treasury. And people used to pull out handfuls of change. And it was money down a drain already, because I was going to put it in the coffers, so it didn't hurt them none to put some in my hat. Any road, I was sitting there one day, minding my own business, about three in the afternoon, when a couple of guys that I knew I'd seen somewhere before, but I just couldn't place them, you know how it is? Well, they come walking up, and as they went by me, I said, excuse me, gents, could you spare a dime for a beggar man? And they said, well, no, sorry, mate, we ain't got no money, but what we got, we'll give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, I thought, hello, that name rings a bell. And of course it did ring all kinds of bells because I'd heard lots of talk about him. In fact, the first time I saw him, well, it was probably three years previous. I've been sitting there in my patch there at the top of the steps in the beautiful gate of the temple and I see this disturbance going on down below in the court of Gentiles where they had this bent market. It was a rip-off, if you ask me. It was just a way of them religious types making money so they could build their fine and fancy buildings. Any road, suddenly I saw this disturbance. Uh, there were tables going all over the place, and there was money rolling in all directions. And the animals from the bent market, they was escaping and running amongst the people. I mean, it was a, it was a right hullabaloo. But right at the middle of it all, there was this guy running around with a whip. And he was shouting something. Well, the authorities didn't like that, did they? Because, I mean, it was a religious establishment. So they come running up and they said, what's going on here? And he says, you have turned my father's house. Mark you, my father's house, because that's what got up their nose. My father's house, you've turned it into a den of robbers when it ought to have been a place of prayer. How dare you, he says. My father's house, they said. But he never did explain. I'll tell you a bit more about it. Sing another song, Russell. Settle down, settle down. You're all comfortable? Good. Can you hear me? Bad. <laughs> Annie Road. Next thing I heard about this Jesus character, because that's what his name was, the guy that caused the disturbance in the market, I was sitting there at my usual place in the beautiful gate, begging, 
when who should walk up the steps but my friend Magic. Now old Magic, he was a member of Bad Poo, like I was. Only he was, uh, he approached things a little different than I did. I mean, for me, it was the bottom line. I just wanted to get money so I could survive. But old Magic, he had some bee in his bonnet about getting healed. And of course, if you've got a bee in your bonnet about getting healed, you'll do almost anything to accomplish your goal. People go down to Mexico and all, all kinds of things nowadays. But in those days, there was this pool called the Pool of Bethesda. And it was up in the northern part of the city. And the story was that an angel used to come down every now and then and heal people. There was this pool. And the moment the pool started to bubble, it meant the angel was down there blowing bubbles or something. I don't know, but the first person to get into the pool would be healed. Now, around this pool, there was every nutcase in the whole city that wanted to get healed, like old magic. So, of course, the moment one little bubble come up to the top of the surface of the pool, it was like the, what was like this sort of Paralympics, wasn't it? There were all kinds of people who couldn't walk right, trying to drag themselves into the pool, and it was blind people bumping into pillars, and it was absolute chaos. And they all were in the pool like a big all-in-together kind of thing. Did anybody ever get healed? Well, I don't know, do I? People believe anything when they're desperate. Annie Road. There I'm sitting there, an old magic who hasn't walked a step for the last 35 or so years comes walking up the steps past me. I says, Magic, is that you? He says, yeah, it is, Fred. It is. I said, well, how come you're walking then? Did you get into the pool first? I says, he says, no. No, I was sitting there minding my own business and this stranger comes up and he says, uh, hello, Magic. Do you want to get well? I said, of course I want to get well. That's why I'm here every blooming day waiting, but there's nobody who'll put me in a pool. So he says, well, don't wait for the water to bubble, magic. Don't need no superstitious magic. You can pick up your bed right now and go home. And he reached down and he lifted me up. And I could stand. Fred, I could stand like I'm standing now. And I turned around, he'd gone. So I rolled up my bed and I started to carry it home. And do you know, them religious blighters, they all but arrested me. I said, what am I doing wrong now? They said, you're carrying your bed and it's the Sabbath. I said, don't talk stupid. I just got healed and the man who healed me told me to do that. They said, well, what was his name? And he says, well, I don't know. It was uh, Jesus or something like that. Well, he's a Sabbath breaker. It says in the Bible that you're not allowed to do any work on the Sabbath. It's all right to carry a bed if there's a cripple in it. But if the cripple gets out of it, you mustn't lift the bed anymore. Well, that was a load of stupid nonsense, wasn't it? Well, a moment later, that Jesus fella materializes. He comes along and he says, what are you guys arguing about? What a load of stupid nonsense. You are the people who are obsessed with the scriptures. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that somehow by reading a book, you're going to get eternal life. But it's not in the book, dummies. 
The scriptures are what talks about me. I'm the one who gives eternal life, but you won't come to me, will you? Because if you did, I would give you life. Ah, that was a switch, wasn't it? What are we going to do now? We're going to have a coffee break or something, isn't that right? Wasn't that nice? Coffee, that's the stuff. We're going to take up our cups and walk. Kids, how many of you recognize that story? Yeah, some of you do, and some of the adults do as well. Well, one of the reasons why we've asked Justin and Russ to come and be with us is because we've asked them to come at Christmas time as well and give us a creative retelling of the Christmas story on December the 17th. And so if you have your calendars, I want you to block that day off now before it gets busy. Tuesday, December the 17th. We're going to have a banquet up in the banquet hall and have Justin and Russ come back and tell the Christmas story like you've never heard it before. And so it's going to be tons of fun. We'll be giving you lots of information as we get closer to that. But we wanted to kind of let you know and get to know Russ and Justin so that you knew as you invite friends to come to that in December uh, what you'd be inviting them to come and participate in. So we're going to have tons of fun as we continue on with the morning. Uh, we are uh, just into our fall season of programming, and so Alpha, uh, which is our exploration of the Christian faith, a fantastic course. That begins this Wednesday. You can register on our website for it, and you can talk to Pastor Keith and head back to the Welcome Center. If you need any details about that, there's a dinner provided every Wednesday night, fantastic discussion Uh, And I know a number of you are heading there already, so you'll be able to sit with and meet some people from Jericho. If that's something that would be of interest to you, uh, please talk to Pastor Keith so we can make those table arrangements for you uh, today. It's a great opportunity to kind of explore, ask all kinds of questions that you have about Jesus, about the stories that you're hearing here today, and about the Christian faith. So that's coming up. If you're new at Jericho Ridge, the Welcome Center is a great place to stop in and get information about anything that you need, any of our programming. Youth are starting with a special event coming up, Minion Madness. That's info. It is in your info sheet. Uh, The women are starting up very soon with Refresh, which is our Wednesday morning program for women and for moms. And then also we're starting up a lot of our small groups, which happen at all different times. And if you're curious about that, want to get connected at Jericho, it's a fantastic way. Next Sunday night, we do something called Group Connect, and Pastor Keith will just walk through all of the different options for you, times, and what they're studying. And so if you want to come and find out more information about that, there's no commitment on your part beyond that. Just explore it. That's next Sunday night, and you can register for that online as well. Well, you'll feel better after a cup of coffee. Amazing what it does, isn't it? Just amazing. Every cell in your body shouts hallelujah when you have your first cup in the morning. <laughs> Annie Road. I was telling you about my story, Fred, in case you forgot. Fred, sitting up at the beautiful gate. Anyway. Next part of the story has to do with Mabel. Everyone loved Mabel. She wasn't a member of Bad Poo. Actually, she was into a different kind of union, if you know what I mean. And he wrote, one morning, during one of them big festivals when everyone was in town, there's poor old Mabel, dragged, screaming and kicking, into the court of the Gentiles. (coughs) Excuse me. By them religious types. 
right at the bottom of my steps so I could see the whole thing going on. There's Jesus sitting on the bottom step teaching a crowd. And into the middle of this crowd, they dragged poor old Mabel. Old Mabel, she was in a terrible mess. Tears streaming down her face, makeup all running. She looked awful. Anyway, the religious types, they go up to this Jesus and said, Teacher, you who put down the scriptures, it says in the Bible that anyone caught committing adultery should get stoned to death. We just caught this wretched woman in the very act. So what have you got to say about that? Well, poor old Mabel. (laughs) And he wrote, he doesn't say nothing. He just gets down on his hands and his knees, down in the dirt at the bottom of my steps, and he starts drawing little doodles or pictures or writing. I couldn't see what he was doing, actually. And they just stand there. After a while, they said, well, it clearly says in the Bible that this woman ought to be condemned. She ought to be stoned to death. So what are we going to do? Believe you or believe the Bible? And he straightens up, knocks the dust off his hands, and he says, all right, be my guest. If any of you has never sinned, you can throw the first stone. Most of them had sinned. Half of them with Mabel and all, I can tell you that. And then he gets down and he starts doodling in the sand again. While Mabel's cowering there in the dust. In a terrible mess she was, whimpering and carrying on. And one by one, all those big holier-than-now religious types, they all turn and they start to shuffle off making excuses about the need to get to the prayer meeting or some church service or some such nonsense. And in the end, there's only Mabel left. And this Jesus looks down and lifts her up and gives her his handkerchief so she can clean her face off. And says, have none of them condemned you then, Mabel? And she says, no, none of them. Well, he says, I'm certainly not going to condemn you. So you're free, Mabel. Go. But you better get a better way of making your living in the future. Don't sin no more, Mabel. You're free. Well, old Mabel was a changed woman after that. Old Buff, he was blind, as his name implies. He was born blind. He had no concept of what blue would mean. No idea of shape excepting by feel. He'd never seen nothing in all his life. Wouldn't have recognized his own mother if he'd met her in the street. Well, one day, sitting there on my steps, who should come walking into the temple but old Buffy? <laughs> he was pursued by a whole bunch of them religious morons who were intent on, under, on understanding what I wanted to understand too. How come he wasn't tapping along with his white stick? He could obviously see clearly because he was walking with courage and a stride in his step like I'd never seen before. And when he got close to me, they said, Well, what have you got to say for yourself? What happened? Are you the man who was born blind? Yes, says Buffy. 
I am. I'm the guy who used to make his living just down the street begging. Were you really born blind? Well, you can ask my mum and dad if you like. He says they're just over there. And when they'd come forward and said yes, whoa, they said, how did it happen? How come he can see now? Well, they said, ask him. He's of age. So they says, well, Buffy, what happened? Oh, he says, I was, I was sitting there, minding my own business, begging like I normally do, when I could hear a crowd of people walking past and there was this guy, they was discussing sin and that sort of stuff and whether or not sin made people blind. Well, I didn't like being talked about. Next thing I knew, I heard this guy clearing his throat and he, and he spits on the ground. And I thought that was a bit gross. And then I felt him stuffing clay into my eyes. Gritty stuff it was. Well, obviously he'd made it out of his spit and the dust. Well, it was gross. So he says, Buffy, you want, want to go and wash that out, won't you? He says, too blooming right, I will. Well, go and wash it out in the pool of Siloam. So apparently old Buffy, <laughs> to make a long story short, he'd gone tapping off down the hill, come to the pool of Siloam, which he could feel his way to, of course, because he couldn't see nothing. And he got down on his hands and his knees and he washed the clay and grit out of his eyes and suddenly he knew what blue meant. <laughs> he could see the reflection of the sky in the water. He could see his little pink face looking back at himself. He could see green trees and coloured flowers and little children playing. He could see everything clearer. Who was this guy, says the religious guys? Who was he? What was his name? Well, I don't know. I don't know where he is. I don't know where anything is. I couldn't find my way home by looking, could I? Well, they said, this guy, he must be some kind of a sinner. We know he's an evil man. Oh, says Buffy. So he's an evil man, is, is he? Well, we know that God never listens to evil men when they pray. Yet it's never been heard of that anyone born blind like me should be made to see. Give glory to God, they said to him. Give glory to God. Explain this thing. Well, I don't think I can explain it, says Buffy. But all I can tell you is, the truth is that once I was blind, but now I can see. It's as simple as that. And you know what I did? They flung him out. They kicked him out of the temple. They said he wasn't welcome around there anymore. A man whose only crime was to have been born blind and made to see. Well, if you ask me, some of these religious cuckoos have got things a little bit la-la in their heads. Sing us another song, Russ, while we recover from that one. Well, my dears, to make a long story short, I could tell you about all kinds of other characters like old Russ, Lazarus, who was dead but got alive again. But I won't labour you with all that because there were all kinds of events that I could see from my patch right there in a beautiful gate of the temple. Of course, they didn't have no internet nor television in those days. So where I was was sort of the centre, the nerve centre of the whole nation. If anything happened anywhere in the country, we heard about it right where I was. So I, I sort of 
passed on the news to other people and people told me what was happening. Well, one strange morning, must have been a Friday morning, things weren't right. It was a festival, but there weren't nobody about in the temple. I asked around and through my sources, I discovered that during the night, those religious guys I was telling you about had arrested this Jesus. I don't know what their charge was, but they'd arrested him. He'd offended against their religious laws or something. Any road, they dragged him off to old Ponty the pilot. He was the governor from Rome. And they wanted to ask the old Pontius Pilate will condemn him to death. I thought that was a little bit over the top. I mean, after all, all he'd ever done was bless people like Mabel and make old Buffy see and all those good kind of things. And I'd heard all kinds of rumors that I never told you about coming from up in the north where he'd fed multitudes of people. Any road. I could hear people yelling off in the distance and it seemed that everybody from town was over there at the town hall all screaming and hollering for this guy's death, blood. Whoa, I don't know what happened. <laughs> Excuse me, it's a coffee, it's stuck in my throat. Anyway, I heard the crowds moving away into the distance in the end. Now, about lunchtime, the strangest thing happened. Somebody turned the sun out, and it went dark. I mean, so dark you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. I was just about to eat my sandwiches, but I left them untouched. And I sat there. I thought, well, it must come on again soon. Somebody must have blown a fuse or something. Any road. It went on for hours. Whole afternoon I sat there in the darkness. It was eerie. Eerie, eerie kind of darkness. There were no sounds. You could hear dogs howling in the distance and you could hear people wailing and carrying on, but you couldn't hear nothing else. You couldn't go nowhere because it was too dark to see. We didn't have no street lamps in those days. So I just sat there waiting. Now, I don't know what time it was because my watch wasn't working. I would guess it was about three in the afternoon when all of a sudden... The ground beneath my feet started to shake and it grew more and more and more intense till I thought a whole beautiful gate was going to come down, crashing down around my ears. And then suddenly there was this strange sound like somebody ripping cloth, tearing, ripping, coming up from behind me by the Holy of Holies. And a priest comes running out past me and he went down the steps heedless of the fact that it was dark, running like there was demons running after him or something he was terrified obviously and then the light came back on again the late afternoon sun stole back and I heard that about that time that Jesus had died they'd strung him up nailed him onto a plank and hung him up for all the world to see till he was dead I mean I was frankly I was disappointed I don't know about you, but I thought that this Jesus who'd done such wonderful things for old Buffy and Magic, he might be able to do something for me. He passed me lots and lots of times going up and down my steps through my gate, but he'd never spoken to me, but I thought he would. I thought he'd come along and he'd say, Fred, get up and walk or something like that, but he never did. Now it was too late because he was dead and gone. 
and I was very, very broken-hearted. Ever felt like that? That these kind of things happen to other people, but they don't happen to you? Well, it must have been Sunday morning. First thing I was, I was put down there, and, and out come the security guards from the temple. They'd been in the office, the temple office, obviously talking to the religious types, and they had bulging pockets, and you could hear the chink of cash. And I said, hello, guys. What you been doing? Oh, they said, we, we, was, we, was, uh, we were sent to guard the tomb of that guy Jesus walking to chop on, on Friday night. I said, really? That must have been boring. No, they said it wasn't that boring. And they got out of their pocket a little piece of paper. And they said, during the night, his disciples come along and they stole the body away. That was what was happening, wasn't it, lads? Yeah, they said. That was what was happening. We, we all saw it. And you could hear the money chinking in their pockets. Well, after that, for the following week or so, there were all kinds of rumours about people saying that they'd seen him. I mean, you have El Elvis sightings in, in nowadays. Well, in those days, they had Jesus sightings. And uh, they were seeing him all over. Apparently, it was a crowd of 500 people at one occasion that saw him. But I never saw him. Any road. To make a long story short, as I've said several times, and the story gets longer every time I say it, this is where I started. I was sitting there about three o'clock one afternoon when walking up the steps comes a couple of guys that I thought I recognized, and then I clued in. They was followers of this Jesus guy, big fisherman by the name of Peter and his buddy John. And they come walking up, and I said, Excuse me, gents, could you spare a dime for a beggar man? And they said, nah, sorry, mate, we haven't got no money. But we got something better than that, Fred. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now I knew what they was talking about. Fred, get up and walk. Well, I just gaped at him for a moment. But then he reached down his big fisherman's hand. He grabs a hold of me and he hoists me up. Still, I'm standing upside. Well, I thought I was going to collapse like a sack of potatoes. But no, I could feel my legs, my ankles getting strong like they'd never, ever been in all my life. And I found myself standing. And then I thought I was going to fall over and, and I took a little step. And I took another step. And before you knew it, I was walking. I was walking, and I walked right down the steps, and then I walked back up the steps, and I went down the steps, and then I ran in a little circle, and before you knew it, I was running and dancing and leaping and praising God. It was the most exciting thing. Of course, a big crowd of people come gathering round, all saying, is that you, Fred? What's happened? What's happened? What's happened? They all wanted to know, and then them religious types come bundling up, and they said, what's going on here? And the big fisherman guy, he says to them, gentlemen... If you want to know what's happened here, then be very clear about this. That this man, Fred, who you know to have been a cripple all his life, is standing you here before you today because of the name of Jesus. 
It is in the name of Jesus, whom you crucified, but God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you well today in testimony to who he is and what he can do in the lives of lots of people. There is, ladies and gentlemen, no other name under heaven given to human beings by which they must be saved but the name of Jesus. You might think to yourself, well, those are great stories from a long time ago, and what have they got to do with me? What have they got to do with us? And I think the answer to that is that here in this place, if you talk to people and get to know their stories, you would find such similarity to some of the stories that Justin told us today. People whose lives were off kilter and wonky in all kinds of different ways, who were broken and who experienced restoration. And maybe you're in process in that journey somewhere today. And if that's you, then I'd love to talk with you. We'd love to pray with you. Maybe your story is in need of physical healing. And they'll just have a prayer team. They'll be up here on the side afterwards. And they would love to pray with you about whatever's going on uh, in your life, in your reality. And Russ and the team will kind of keep playing and leading us and having some fun with music and song. And we would love uh, to also have you join us and stick around and get to know some of the stories of the people here at Jericho Ridge over lunch. And so we're not allowed to have food in this building, and uh, we'd get it all messy for the Little Cross teams to play in here. Uh, but we are allowed to have food in the rec center over just across the parking lot. And so that's normally where we have our kids programming, but we've kind of uh, made that into a, a makeshift cafeteria for you to join us this morning. And so the hospitality team's been barbecuing and is uh, ready uh, for us over there on that side. So we'd love you to just kind of, once you're finished here, and if you want to pray with anybody, then stick around, do that. Then uh, just head out those doors. You can head out these staircases here too. And just head straight across the parking lot. And the uh, ushering team will kind of keep directing you there. You'll see some tents that are set up and the barbecue outside. And you'll have opportunity to grab your burger and your hot dog. Head inside where it's nice and dry. And in room one and in room three in the rec center is where we'll be having a lunch uh, experience together. So I'm going to uh, just ask and pray for our food. And then, as I say, if you want, you're welcome to participate in that. Also, Mike and uh, the team will be, if you want to play floor hockey, if you want to kick a soccer ball around and have some fun and burn off some energy indoors, because you're not going to be able to do much of it outdoors today, then we'd love you to stick around back behind the curtains there and have some fun with us too. So let me pray for us. God, I just thank you for the stories of your incredible love for us and your grace that continue to play out in lives, not just a long time ago, but in each of our lives. God, we want it. We need it. We want to experience more of your grace. And here in this place at Jericho, we want to be a people who not only receive your grace, but also extend it to a world in need of it. Would you just keep teaching us, God, how to do that? Would you keep teaching us as people, as individuals, how to receive it 
and then how to keep giving it away to other people, how to talk about the things that you've done in our lives and the grace that you have given to us. I pray for each person here today that maybe doesn't feel that that's been their experience. And God, I pray that you would touch them in a unique way here in this place today, whether it's with healing and physically, emotionally, relationally, whatever area of brokenness that you want to push your grace into. God, I pray for an open heart to receive that today in each person here this morning. We love you, God. We know that you can do that. You continue doing it in so many creative and amazing ways. And so we're grateful for that. We're grateful for good food and friends that we maybe haven't met yet. And we thank you for this opportunity to be in this place today and to enjoy those things. You are good to us. And so we say thank you by saying amen. Amen.